welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, on this fine night for Movie Go Round, my two wonderful co-hosts, Nicole Davis. How are you this fine evening? I'm um, good. It's um, It was a movie, and we watched it. It had Nicolas Cage in it. He was, yeah. he was, he was Nicolas Cage in it. He was Nicolas Cage <laughs> in it. Uh, and also, also somebody who watched this movie, David Luzader. How are you? I, you know, I, I guess I watched it. It just kind of happened near me. Uh, <laughs> I want to take this time to say that I don't think that Sarah Wayne Callies, however you say pronounce the name, should be a parent in movie or TVs anymore. Because, yeah, she's got a lot of issues. Uh, between this and The Walking Dead, it's just not, it's not great. Isn't she not the mom out who gets her? offed by her own kid? And and she gets, she gets upset at everybody else for her own bad parenting. Man, bad parenting. But you know what? Joining us, as always, uh, not as always, I'm so used to saying that, uh, we have a guest this week, and I'm really excited to have him because we've had him twice on Geek Cinema Society back when we did that show. Uh, I believe we watched, one was 2001 A Space Odyssey, which remains a lost episode because that was the day the hard drive crashed. And then... It's like the day the music died. Um, and then one actually did go out. Uh, Greg, we, we watched Predator, Predator. with you. Predator. Um, but that's Greg Tilton, everybody. He does the Rumor Flies podcast, which is coming up on its sixth season. And the Jack of Trades podcast recently passed its 50th episode. Greg, thanks for being with us. Why don't you give a really quick rundown of what those shows are so people know, uh, you know if they're interested in checking them out. If you like Snopes and Mythbusters and exploring urban myths yeah. with a bunch of immature children, Rumor Flies is probably the show for you. Um, and then uh, Jacks of Trades is kind of like your book club or high school English class. I like that maybe college level, but that's probably too much credit for ourselves. Uh, where we <laughs> review uh, indie and major graphic novels and comic books. So if you love comic books and you want to get like literally page by page deep dive, that's a show for you. Oh, very cool. Right on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back. So this is a Netflix roulette week. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the program, that means that myself, David, and Nicole all spun a Netflix roulette wheel that excludes TV shows and documentaries, uh, unless we'll let some documentaries through, depending on the documentary. But ultimately, uh, it is up to Netflix gods, and we at least have a tiny bit of discretion of which of the three movies we will choose. Considering this episode's coming out around the time of Halloween, it only seemed natural that one of the picks, Pay the Ghost, a Nicolas Cage horror flick, be the one that we chose. Uh, and before Nick Cage joint. Marks. <laughs> yeah. We call it a Nick Cage joint. Can we, can we do it's that It's a now? Nick Cage joint. Can we spike Leify this? Um, <laughs> I the love least it. Spike Lee person in showbiz. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> so, anti Spike Lee. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so obviously we're we're not going to get terribly anywhere with this movie because it doesn't get much of anywhere. <laughs> but I do uh, briefly want to also prepare people for next week's show. It is a future classics week. It is David's pick this time. This is a movie that's come out in the last ten years that David is arguing is a classic movie. David, what are we going to be watching? Next week's film is going to be the, I forgot what year it is. Uh, it is the <laughs> 2012 
I guess, horror comedy movie, <laughs> The Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yes! I'm so jealous. Oh, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yes, David, you picked one of my favorite movies. Oh, oh my that's God. such a good pick. I knew we had all probably seen it. My other, uh, we're not going to get into that, but I was between two movies and that's the one I decided. For an entirely unbiased analysis of whether or not this is a future classic, tune in next week. Uh, But no, that'll be a lot of fun. You have zero indication as of right now as to which way we're leaning. Exactly. But Pay the Ghost, going back to that, came out in 2015. Mike Cole's life is torn apart when his son is abducted during a Halloween parade. Desperate to bring him home again, Mike must risk everything to unravel a terrifying supernatural mystery. Uh, So right off the bat, I had seen this before because I subjected myself to this twice because you lost life. a bet, I imagine. <laughs> no, I voluntarily went into this the first time. Had anyone else seen my this goodness. before? I hadn't even heard no. of it. No. Any- no. no. That was my second question. Had anyone even heard of this movie before? It didn't even get in theaters. I had heard of it on uh, one of the bad movie podcasts I listened to. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what's shocking to me right off the bat, to completely veer away from this movie entirely. Um this is 2015 Nick Cage, Academy Award winning actor. I really can't stress that enough. Going s- video video to demand <laughs> movies like Pay the Ghost. What happened? Look, I this movie, I <laughs> where I want to begin with this film is that it supposes that a professor's attendance rate in class is based on how charismatic and engaging they are with the material. And so you have this scene where he is like reading and everybody's like so engaged and they're laughing at his jokes and like they all clap at the end of his lecture. He's the cool teacher. Yeah, which never happens, by the way, ever. Even if you love your professor and think it was the best lecture ever, no one in college applauds. No, my school was pretentious in that at the end of the semester, you're supposed to applaud the professors. And that was like a thing we did. (laughs) And and then like, oh, the the class attendance. Not just because of a random lecture. (laughs) Yeah, the class attendance rate drops off. It's like, dude, make make attendance part of the grading. I don't know why that stuck out to me so much. There's so many other crappy moments. I was going to say, this is where your mind went initially was the unrealistic nature. you You can stop giving a shit. Yeah, right. it, yes, it's true. It's true. One of the, my, the <laughs> all right, look, uh, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen is probably the worst movie ever made. But there is a scene. No, 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 no. This connects. There is a scene where uh, Shia LaBeouf is in is in class, and in walks Rain Wilson and gives <laughs> the stupidest intro to physics 101 and everybody's like oh my god oh like girls are like getting ready to throw themselves at rain look i like rain wilson let's not pretend that we're dealing with a classically handsome movie star up there and it's just like the bad representation, represent, <laughs> bad representation of like college classes where it's like look nobody gives a crap but they show up because they want the grade like that's what I want in my movies. When you're like, people love the professor so much, they applaud and laugh at his jokes. I'm like, no, no. Come How on. do you feel about <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark opening scenes when the girls are batting the eyelashes at Indy with the, I wasn't with alive the love 40s, you? So I can't speak to that. <laughs> with the love you on the eyes. Um, okay, but anyway, back to this movie after we've now discussed that Nick Cage is indeed a professor in this movie. And he's also... 
a very absentee dad, and I that gets me into the first discussion topic I want to get into, gotta, which is I've got to publish more articles. This movie leans into every single trope, not even just oh horror trope. My. But every single it's, plot trope of like the absentee father, the sad son, and all he wants to do is hang out with his father. They finally reconnect. Like every tiny little piece of this movie so leans bad. into it, and I'm here for it. I am here for how predictable this movie you know, is. I kind of you know, love it for that. You know how you can tell how unloved this kid is? His parents don't <laughs> buy him an eye patch for his pirate costume. They're just like, yeah, paint paint some, like, shoe polish on there, kid. You're fine. No, no. no. See, this is where I will disagree with you. This will will be our big battle of the podcast. I argue that that makes them better parents because the eye patch could obscure his peripheral vision, and you don't want to do that. So it's better to draw the eye patch on. Then it is to have the eye patch. Nicole, resident parent on the podcast. Greg, do you have kids? No, no. Got All right, Nicole's dogs, resident no parent kids. on the podcast. Then proving us wrong about the eye patch thing. Um, <laughs> but but I guess what I'm saying is like there are so many cliches in this plot, and every way the oh, way it's so written. Many. I mean, all the way down to like the mysterious blind man in the sewer that knows everything about the ghosts. Oh, don't even get. I've got a bunch of notes on that. Don't Tommy even get myself. Wait, wait, wait. No, is, is, that, is it Tommy? Is it Tommy? No, no. no it's wish. the actor from. It's the actor from Pontypool. I can't remember I his name. I it was Tommy Wiseau when you said that. No, but it looks, it looks like Tommy Wiseau. Yes, it uh, does. <laughs> I totally does. What was I going to say about the, the cliches? Oh, I think uh, I, I even sent this into our Slack. There is a part when uh, Nick Cage, you know, after his kid goes missing and he goes in there to accuse the cops of not caring because they're doing other work and not just looking for his kid 24-7. <laughs> Uh, and at, at the end of the conversation, the cop's like, is there anything else I can do for you? And I mouthed the words just as Nick Cage said, that, said them, which was, find my son. I was like, that's yep. the most predictable line set up <laughs> in all of human history. Yep, knew that was coming. <laughs> so, but like everything, oh God, yeah. Everything Nicolas Cage's <laughs> characters, Mike, everything Mike says is something you should not say in a horror movie because it will make things go wrong. It's like everything he says, everything, but what could go wrong? You know, he says, everything is going to be better. Now promises a father makes to his son are special. You know, you're the most important thing in the world to me. Don't you? I'm just like, no, stop talking. Stop (laughs) talking. You're, (laughs) you're jinxing everything. It's all so bad. It's all so bad. And like the fact that can we just like this kind of more goes the story, but I mean, it it he loses kid. We have the scene of him looking. You know, he he thinks he sees his kid. Uh, no, sorry, he's he, yeah, he thinks he sees his kid, and then the monster slams on the glass one year later. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like you, they're easy to not get scared by because you're like, well, at the end of this thirty seconds of silence, something's gonna jump at me. See, I still yeah. know it's I know it's coming. It just makes me. It just still slams you know just that jolt well see for me like i i'm coming off of last weekend spending real money american dollars to see (laughs) the nun in imax 
And the best part about the nun you are out was, of your mind. <laughs> the best part about the nun was that for every single jump scare in the nun movie, spoilers, I guess, uh, they take the camera, they start turning, right? It shows the person. It moves away. There's nothing there. It shows the person. It moves away. There's nothing there. It goes back to the person one more time. It's there. And this movie does it like three, four times maybe. And there's only oh, three or yeah. four jump scares. Like it's not like it's not. I, I think that's one of the key things we should probably touch on is that it's probably a stretch to call this a horror movie. Kind of. Yeah. Just uh, it's yeah. it's they're like the the. It's amazing they somehow you're talking about using tropes. It's like, oh, the membrane between worlds starts to dissolve yes. at Halloween. And <laughs> the like, membrane between it just, worlds. Nothing about it. And all of like the um I don't want to say pagan because then we're gonna get emails. It's not pagan. But like Helpful, the, like the, I mean yeah, technically the, it is pagan. Yeah, well yeah, like the yes. Celtic people that are like hanging out in a park in New York and wearing funny masks from the Wicker Man and doing and rituals. All wrong. Can we just really point out real quick that he goes to this woman and she's like, oh, I'm just a teacher. I'm just doing this for fun. Then proceeds to give him a very detailed explanation of all of his questions without him even prompting. Like, this happens over and over again. It happens to this colleague, gives him this huge detailed description, and then just goes, sorry, that's all I have. I'm like, you just (laughs) gave him a treasure trove. Like everything he needs, you answered all of his questions, and he literally sat on the phone without talking. <laughs> like I, I just the homeless guys from earlier—they're like, "Oh yeah, this crazy thing for uh, fucking screeches all day." Like that's a thing we're used to, apparently. No, that no that that place was filled with ghosts. The homeless, the homeless in New York City are ghosts, according to this movie. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I'm glad that I'm glad that Greg brought this up because I noticed this too. I didn't really catch this the first time because i think i was just so out of it watching this movie i was so disinterested my first time you couldn't couldn't tear your eyes away yeah i had to actually pay attention this time but i I jameson he was chugging to get through it i wish but like the the interaction he has with these people in the park when he for context for listeners who don't watch the film and it's probably okay if you don't with this one uh he walks up and they're all having their little ritual and they're all you know it looks super serious and then he comes up to this woman and says hey we need your help and she's immediately disassociated from it it's like no i'm just like an english teacher and this is this is just for fun we come here on halloween to have fun they proceed to show her something creepy and pagan and then all of a sudden she's like I will tell you exactly what you need to it know. It is so serious. I am, I am the, I am the quest giver to the next objective on the map. Seriously, like, it is so egregious. Yes, it's we were great. wondering about the song. Can you exposition at us about it? Yeah, <laughs> Can you exposition person after person does this. They just give him a complete roadmap, and I would listen <laughs> after the first time. I noticed, I would every time I'm sitting there going, "Is he asking them the questions they're answering?" It's like no. no. He, That's actually he a really good question. He doesn't does everything he? out. He does, he sits there and he goes, "What do you know about blank?" And then they give exactly what he needs—the <laughs> most concise, perfect answer. And she's like, "Well, <laughs> guess that was easy." Like it's like not to mention this thing. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. But like we we'll get back to the the ghosts' actions. Maybe we need to have some decor. Well, just the fact that it's killing everyone helping him except him. Throws this woman alive in front of him, throws his colleague out a window, and it's like, oh, but him, let's let him get close. I'm like, what is, why, like, 
no, there is no logic. There really is no reason for it to not kill him. Just like, I guess, like, ah, I'm mad at you for telling him about me. Ah, Yeah, he'll never find me, despite the very straight road he's had here the past month. (laughs) And only the one who has stolen the Declaration of Independence can kill (laughs) (laughs) No, I saw his professor. I was amped. I was hoping we were going to get a national treasure, Luke Cage. I was going to say Luke Cage. Uh, anyway, now here's the thing. I want to go down this rabbit hole because, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's very easy with a movie like this to just shit on Nick Cage. Like that is the easy way to talk about this movie because it's a bad Nick Cage movie, right? You can pull anything out of the hat. You're going to get a million of them. General, I don't think we're just. No, yeah, true. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like of all the bad Nick Cage movies, or perhaps even unlike them, I don't feel like it's his fault that this movie is bad. I feel like he's perfectly acceptable in this movie. But this movie could be good bad if he were doing one of his more unhinged performances. Oh, so you're saying he plays it too straight. Yes. That we should be getting like Like, crazy Nick Cage. Insidious. It's like he has not had enough coffee this entire uh, movie. It's insidious. <laughs> uh, He's so sleepy. Let's just get out of the way. It is insidious. Uh, but insidious. I was I was debating making that pun. I was listening to a podcast that was uh, had the directors from I think Crank Two on it, and they were talking about that. It all comes back around. I swear these are not just random tangents that I go down. This episode is going <laughs> nowhere. I love it. <laughs> they also directed. Um, Ghost Rider 2, I think. And they, you know, were talking about, like, well, Nick, you know, talking to Nick Cage, and they were like, well, you know, we want you to do, like, some freak out here. And he is super self aware about that because he was like, well, what do you guys want me to do? Like, I've done this so many times. Like, there's not many more ways I can do (laughs) the Nick Cage freak out. So he is, like, hyper aware of the public perception that is him. Uh, but also, why is he in this movie? It's called the dinosaur that he bought for no reason. That man is in crazy debt. Yeah, and I actually do feel like that we're finally... Nicole and I talked a little bit about this this week. We might finally be on a light at the end of the tunnel in 2018 of Nick Cage finally not just doing endless bad movies because he's oh, so yeah, yeah. De- deeply indebted. Like, I think we're going to see something good with Mandy. I think Mandy, and we'll know by the time this episode comes out, because at least one of us will have seen it at that point, but Mandy looks yeah. like it's going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm on um, Friday, we're going to, my, my, my man and I are going to go do the midnight show of Mandy at Coolidge Corner. Well, please oh, let us know is. how it is and report back next week on the show, because... I will. I think that might be the light at the end of the tunnel for Nick Cage. Because here's the thing. I'm going to be our Nick Cage apologist tonight. I really like Nick Cage. I have had great fun in both his good and bad movies and good and bad performances. And I believe in him. I believe in our boy Nick Cage to come out on top with this new Mandy movie. This movie is not that, though. Um, no, and I, I, I always... I do not dislike Nicolas Cage. I, I am wow. always hopeful when watching one of his movies that it, yeah. it, that he's at least going to be interesting, if not good. If yeah. you want to see, yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you, but just a quick note. If you want to see a uh, 
good bad Nicolas Cage, go watch Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> I don't need that to see that Nick again. Cage. It's like baby crazy Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, if, if we had, if that was, if that Nick Cage was in this movie, oh boy, we'd be talking about a different film altogether. I do kind of agree that if he was a little more unhinged in this movie, it might have gone a little bit better. It might have been at least fun because right now this movie's not even fun. Well, what threw me off is the beginning started so weak. And then when his wife came in, what's interesting is that um, I'm actually haven't seen her last stuff. I didn't really watch The Walking Dead after season one, but um, she actually gives like some really killer emotional moments. So like I'm sitting here being like, this is kind of silly. And then she has these like really intense moments with her son. I'm like, whoa, like wasn't ready for that. Like, like Uh, not even a negative way. Just it was interesting how they, I don't even blame the acting levels. It's more of like, I don't know if this director really gave clear instructions or even rather um, uniform kind of, you know what I mean? They all kind of felt yeah. like they're playing a different movie. Yeah, uh-huh. She showed up for the family drama where oh, her God, child yes. has been kidnapped. And then I love how quickly she switched from, uh, don't ever talk to me. This is your fault too. Are you insinuating my husband had something to do with this? Did oh you- my God. No, no, no. She she swings at one point after, you know, after her revelation with the with the haunted scooter, and she starts <laughs> to believe that he's yeah, this ugh. seen that that he's seen these these things that might actually be you know a connection to the other world. She's you know she almost sleeps with him again. She's like, oh, why don't oh, you come in for dinner and some wine, wine, and I'll go get in the shower. Uh, it was it, that was happening, uh, and, and they, I have it on here. Big bullets. They really did a one eighty on her not believing him. Lightning fast, like yeah. it was a quick. It happens. Quick so thing. Haunted uh, scooter, man. That would uh, convince anybody. The opening. The opening scene of this movie is a scene we see later on with the kids. That, that you want to talk about cliches? That's a cliche right there. Why did we need to see that scene? That adds nothing. I, I, I forgot about that scene two minutes into the movie. Oh, the kids from centuries ago hiding in the basement. Oh, I did forget to say tip tip of the hat to their shining reference with the scooter in the beginning with the kid riding around. That actually was kind of funny. (laughs) I I will say really quick. I I have to give a tip of the hat to that. That was kind of funny. But yeah, the the kids, the whole intro thing like this, you know, uh, was 1679, you know, let's establish the creepy background, I guess, and give no context. And And then they they don't revisit it until the last half hour of the movie. And frankly... I have something in our discussion docket that says, you know, I actually wish this movie was longer and hear me out on this because this has the potential to be bad. This has the potential to be bad. Good. And I feel like it is lost because there isn't enough exposition happening around things that could potentially uh, potentially be interesting. There are a lot of elements to work with with this plot and this movie decides to yes. take the pass the path of least resistance for all of them and if they would just take a little bit more of an interesting path to get to the conclusion of this movie even if that means not making it a 90 minute movie which i think is okay um then i really do believe you could have had something interesting in this maybe if you had weaved that folklore deeper into the movie throughout rather than having an out of context scene at the beginning followed by all of the movie's action happening in the last 25 minutes. Um, there, I watched. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. No, no, no. I, I was just saying it's because there is no tension at any point in this movie. None. None. There, there is not like 
like even them trying to get the kid back like sure that's noble and all that but there's not like this sense like it needs to happen a certain frame even like even when they're like the it's only there for two hours it he apparently has that full two hours to get it done he doesn't have like you only have five minutes left like this is why i love i'm looking at the wikipedia uh page for this movie and the last 30 minutes of the movie are summarized uh simply by one line the professor is able to break into this world and bring back his son as well as the other children who were taken one year ago on halloween that is the last that's the last 20 to 30 minutes of the movie and it is one sentence on the wikipedia yeah and and it's problematic for me because i want more out of this world of this creepy witch who you know for vengeance steals these children on halloween for context for the listeners that don't watch the movie uh essentially what happens is when his young son is stolen on halloween we find out very quickly in the movie that there is this witch that had her three daughters um killed uh presumably because she's a witch and it's the 1600s and that's no bueno and they're blaming her for the influenza outbreak Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. And now, essentially, she has decided every Halloween for the foreseeable future, she's going to take three kids. And not even she's not taking kids from the descendants. She's not. She's taking kids uh, nonsensically. Random kids. Literally going to do the thing that happened to her, basically. Right. Right. And and like what I don't get is that if they were to layer her character and the lore behind what was going on with this witch a little bit more, like. It could be kind of cool in like a really cheesy, campy way. Like she looks cheesy and campy. Whenever you see her in this movie, she's got like the deformed face and she looks like, you know, the dude who just had his head melted into a pulp and, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And like, I want to see more of that exposition. And I think the problem is, is like there's a moment in this movie where they find out there's a ghost. It has our kid. Uh, We know that. Nick Cage is not crazy. Why don't we just like kind of chill out at the house and have a romantic dinner? And all <laughs> tension is ceased at every single opportunity to bring it back into focus. And I feel like this movie could have been bad good. Not good, but bad good. No, there's so many lost opportunities. Opportunity. You know, if you'd spent like more time on the other side, like searching for his kid instead of coming off the other end of the bridge into a room conveniently filled with every one of the children that has been taken and all he has to do is find his kid. <laughs> and can we talk about the fact that those kids, the kids just help him. Oh, wait, we can totally kick her ass. Like, it wasn't a <laughs> Why didn't speech, they do that there before? There wasn't a revelation. And she's like, he's like, hey, do something. They're like, oh, I, okay. Like, <laughs> uh, there's, also, there's just some stuff that's just dropped in this movie, like uh, the detective that yeah he starts to figure things out and then they just kind of sunset him right he's he starts to like (laughs) oh wait like maybe he was correct like maybe there is a connection and then they just abandon that entirely and that character just drops off right yeah like literally as he does the thing where he's looking through the missing persons and stuff like oh my god and then yeah like last 30 45 minutes gone yeah blazing past by the way you know he's he fixates on the the thing that the kids more of a higher proportion of the kids taken on Halloween are not found. Aren't don't aren't found than from any other day of the year. And it's like, 
There's a blazingly obvious explanation, horrible explanation, There's but blazingly obvious out. explanation. <laughs> more kids, why costumes. the kids on Halloween are not don't come back. Know. You know, it's like yeah, they're probably more likely dead than the others. Sorry, but you know, uh, and nobody says that. Nobody thinks that. None of the cops say that. None of the, you know, the Wiccans are, are, you know, none of the researchers are saying, you know, well, there could be these sacrifices or offering. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's why I said attention. She just takes the kids and does nothing with them. They just chill. Yeah, Yeah. and for some reason, you have a year to get them. I wanted to be building a giant like Voltron out of hundreds (laughs) of children. You know? And I also full forty <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're all going to come. You know, there's going to be like this giant thing composed of children stomping through the streets of New York, like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, <laughs> and it would be amazing. And I but think there's probably budget. The fact <laughs> that this movie like puts in the the stipulation that you can only get a kid within a year of them being taken um, just so it can be the trope of him pulling out the three kids his kid and the two kids of the only other people he interacted with in the movie that also had their kids taken um and he's got no interest in finding those other two kids they have to ask him if they can come along (laughs) no right right he was totally ready until like his son was like can we take him he's gonna be like hey f you kids i'm out of (laughs) here Now, now, Nicole, you put something you put something in our discussion topic that reminded me um, of something I really love. You put uh, this movie feels like oh no, David put this. I'm sorry, uh, man, Nicole. No, this movie feels like an AI who, who watched thousands of horror movies was told to write a screenplay. <laughs> and what I love about this is there's a comedian on Twitter named Keenan Patty, who I'd highly recommend following, where he writes scripts of. Um, it's supposed to be a joke that he fed a thousand hours of something to an artificial yeah. intelligence and that artificial intelligence wrote a script. Um, for example, his artificial intelligence wrote a Dr. Phil script that says, Dr. Phil, today we have a young girl that is so bad. Her dad is dead. Her mom sent us this mom video. A mom video plays. We see the child's owner, the mom. Mom, my daughter vapes beer and has sex with rap music. She's in love with a gun. Help me, Dr. Film. The mom video ends. Dr. Phil mustaches for nine seconds. Dr. Phil, I am the lover of moms. Dr. Filth will help. Bring her to me. The video mom walks on stage. The crowd breathes. The mom sits in a chair. Dr. Phil sits on the mom. The crowd cheers. They all have several mustaches. Mom, my daughter steals dolphins. Dr. Phil, not allowed. Bring her out. <laughs> like I want to watch that movie. I do Starring too. But my Cage point is, is like I David put that in our docket, it and like I immediately Bojack thought of that guy's interpretation of Dr. Phil. Right, like, and I immediately <laughs> thought of this guy's Twitter because this guy's Twitter, his jokingly way of writing as an AI is about how this movie is written. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because this movie, this movie just is like, what What are the horror concepts? And like, what I feel bad is there is the guy who was working on this movie since college and thought like, this is a true classic horror movie, man. This is like, this is the movie that like, it's, you know, it's based on all the things I love about horror movies. And it's, it sucks. Like, <laughs> just me, just ugh, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about in this movie, uh, we've talked a little bit about how the dialogue 
is pretty poor, especially when Nick Cage says everything that he probably should not say in a horror movie, like Nicole mentioned. But I also want to talk about the interactions. One of my favorite pastimes is to bag on bad child actors. And the interactions he has with his child are an abomination uh, of acting because... Oh, the, no, I've seen far worse child acting than no, that. No, they're, they're bad, but this kid's... But I guess what bothers me is Here. at the beginning of the movie, right. the kid is so proper. Brett, yeah, let's let's go ahead. Uh, we're going to do a quick little interaction. You play, uh, you'll play Nick Cage. I'll play the child. Okay. Oh, perfect. We're going to improv this. Papa, can we go to the festival? I'm working late tonight, son, but I love you, and I'll be there for you, and we're going to make it work. Father, father, please, if you you must carve the pumpkin with me for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Halloween. I promise, son, next year, we're going to carve so many pumpkins next year. Oh, Papa, <laughs> if the witch doesn't get me, hashtag pay the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this movie is written. <laughs> also, I like how you basically just turned his son into a little Oliver Twist. Yeah, like, Lisa, <laughs> can I have Lisa, some more? Can I have some oh, Papa, may I have a twist ice cream with rainbow sprinkles? That's six dollars. Oh, Six dollars, and Nick Cage says keep the change. He gave that man at least a ten and a four dollar tip. Hey, I like you don't know it's not ten dollar ice cream. It could be real good. I like oh. to think that he gave him a twenty and said keep the change because <laughs> nobody in the movie cares about money. And then no, he turns I, back I around. I believe the six dollar ice cream. I paid like five bucks for ice cream on Fourth of July, but. But see, and then he turns back around when his kid's now missing, and that guy's like, "You're up a creek." <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Did, yeah, yeah, no. He goes, he says, "Did you see where my son went?" And the guy literally goes, "Ah." <laughs> literally, a like, not my problem. Like, <laughs> uh, so I. T- t- uh, this is a link that I will. I guess we can talk about this now. Uh, Brett sent us all a link about a guy yes. who plays the lottery based on Nick Cage movies. And he oh pulls numbers from the movie and uses those to play the lottery. <laughs> and he did it with this movie. Anyway, uh, what I love about one of the numbers is six, because just before the kid goes missing, Nick Cage buys him an ice cream. It costs $6. Is that really how much ice cream costs in New York? If I ever go back there, I shall bring my own ice cream. Yeah, so this is uh, this is a guy named Ed Jefferson. You can find it on Medium. I'll put it in, in uh, the show notes. But he takes his numbers from his lottery card. So two is the portal to the special ghost world where the children missing can uh, where the children, the missing children are taken only stays open for two hours. Uh, three, the ghost steals three children every year as revenge for murder of her own three children. This doesn't really seem fair, to be honest. Uh, six, just before his kid goes missing, Nick Cage buys him an ice cream. David read that. Seven, Nick Cage's kid is seven years old. He's still seven years old a year later because being kidnapped by a ghost, which raises a few questions that obviously the film ignores entirely. Seventeen, uh, the ghost comes from the 17th century where she was burned to death for having the plague or whatever dumb made up bullshit. It's all fake. It's just a film. None of it happened. Um, 31, <laughs> Halloween is on the 31st of October, which is just a true fact, but they do say the date in the film. So he used the numbers 2, 3, 6, 7, 17, 31 and played uh, the jackpot and uh, unfortunately did not lose proving that apparently Nick Cage I'm sorry he lost that's what I meant he lost horribly um, 
But he is attempting to harness, quote, harness the magical energy of Nicolas Cage in order to win the national lot lottery. In practice, th- this means that twice a week I watch a Nicolas Cage film and pick lottery numbers based on that film. I will definitely win. Oh, my God. This is a- that deserves to win as, like, karmic. Can, can oh we just payment. go back to that one-year comment? Oh he has done this with 81 movies. Yes. Jesus Christ. I love it. But yeah, uh, Greg, well, the one year thing. This one year thing. There's the I have two gripes. So yes, obviously the kid, it could he must have not aged or anything because he'd be dead. He looks exactly the same as when he left. Um but he comes back, he has no memory, and their reaction is basically, oh, let's pretend it never happened. He's been gone for a f- year. Everyone knows, <laughs> dumbass. Yeah, everyone like, at school is like, like where you been? Like <laughs> It's like, oh yes, you are totally going to keep this from your kid. Sorry, I like saw that, and I'm like, like I, again, I'm very forgiving. Pacific Rim's one of my favorite movies. I'm big <laughs> on plot holes and issues. Okay, like let's be real. But mother of God, like just stop for three seconds and like think about what you're saying. There's like look to, at your writing. There's ways to enjoy plot holes when it's like the movie is fun. When the movie is fun, these are stupid potholes. These are like they, they don't serve a purpose. They're just mistakes. Yeah, and you're having a good time. It's like you can overlook a lot. It, like I remember the exact moment I fell in love with the Fast and Furious movies is in the fifth one, which is an insane movie, and they are driving through downtown Rio with a giant safe attached to two cars. This oh is yeah, part of their plot. And they're like, it's whipping around, destroying buildings. I'm like, this is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But I'm having so much fun with exactly. this. Exactly. That I can't be mad at it. So if that, like, if I was enjoying myself watching this movie, I wouldn't. We wouldn't nitpick it so much to death. We'd acknowledge those things and just be like, "Yeah, whatever, that's funny." But when it's also movie- about establishing your world. That's the thing too. Like Fast and the Furious has established that it's just absolutely absurd. Like that yeah. is just what they. Sorry, I know I keep cursing, but anyway, I we just that's beeps. the whole point. Good. And so this movie <laughs> is kind of just. I don't know. It's just, it's just aimless. It's sloppy. There's and audiences yes. are not as dumb with the advent of all the brilliant shows coming out. Now it's very clear. Audiences are not as dumb as they think we are. So like people, even if they can't put their finger on it, they're like, it didn't make sense. They have this vague sense of like, this was inconsistent. And it's because the rules weren't established in any real way ever. And then on top of that, it just kind of just didn't care. It glossed over any minute detail that existed at all. Guys, yeah. how could this possibly be created by the same man who directed? I know. I body looked at his filmography. I was blown away. Oh, I was joking. Direct? I was joking. He made Body of Evidence. Remember that, like Madonna, uh, and Willem oh, Dafoe Madonna thing? and Willem Dafoe, the that. Basic Instinct knockoff. Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. It's not good. But I thought he did like, Oz and stuff. He did some like major TV shows and things. Yeah, he. Oh, he's, his TV he's work is great. Primarily a TV director. Wait, this is based on a novel? No. A novella. Oh, whatever. No, you're lying. No, it is. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm not. Written by Dan Kay, based on novella by Tim Levin. Is it actually a like liked novel? I mean, novella, or is it? I don't know. Just... I can find, I can find. It's like not even doesn't have a like, Wikipedia article. I've never heard of it, but that uh-uh. doesn't necessarily mean anything. So, <laughs> but I mean, there are so many places where I could forgive it if it were better in some other aspect of the movie you know like if the effects were better or weirder or you know like there are these three vultures that keep showing up and they're only a couple of steps up from birdemic quality you know there's just not 
the, the CG is not great in this movie. It's One not of the reviews terrible, I was looking at, not great. saying this, great, just buckle up and ignore the haters. I'm like, the CG is one of the most noticeably bad parts of the film. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of here yeah. for it with I'm kind of here for it with the um with the the ghost or the the witch ghost and yeah, the witch the ghost. It's whatever. not clear. Like I'm kind of here for the, it with her. Yeah, or get the mythology. Get or you know spend more time in the other world or get the mythology correct. Uh, Celtic mythology does not have a maiden mother crone thing. It's got a triplicate goddess, but they're all sisters. Right. And it's not like different aspects of womanhood. And the crone, while the the crone is a figure in other mythologies, she is not somebody who has where hate has made her forget her nature as a mother, as though all women are supposed to be mothers and God help you if that. you're not. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, the crone is the crone is is revered for her wisdom and experience and you know respected she is not looked sneered at and looked down upon it's for a different it. role not a not a um losing her way yes exactly yeah yeah it's that so. I, I was sitting there kind of like i watched it and i went well that's problematic like i know that's yeah. just a, like overused term these days but it was like immediately i'm like this is just it just—it's so yeah. simplified. It's so simplified. No, I mean, so- I'm, I live—I live in Salem, Massachusetts, so I'm a little sensitive to where when people get witchcraft and paganism wrong. Did you have a heart attack when you saw 1679? Uh, no. <laughs> I was just like, oh god, just ah, go away. Insert haunted colonial America. <laughs> so yeah, because hanging people based on the testimony of creative children is just the right thing to do. <laughs> um, that's totally going to be our show quote on iTunes. Um, <laughs> but one thing I do want to talk about is things that are also problematic or maybe not even problematic, maybe just incredibly easy is we haven't really digged into how Nick Cage gets into this weird underworld, which is he goes into the sewer and blind Tommy Wiseau opens up a magical portal for him (laughs) that has a catwalk that goes from point A to point B and you can't fall off the smoke. No, it's it's Stephen McCaddy and it's he's Charon and that's the river Styx that he's crossing or the river Lethe or whatever, however right, you want to look right. at it. The river raw sewage, Jesus Christ. But but it, it doesn't come off as the river sticks. It comes off as a catwalk going from point A, a to point machines. B on the yeah, soundstage. Yeah, a lot stage. of smoke machines going overtime. It comes off as, we don't have a budget for anything, so uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a rope bridge. Those vultures, man, they really did a number. Yeah. And, and somebody... Smoke over everything. Somebody mentioned this in our pre-show. It might have been Nicole, where... Like the ghost picks Nick Cage up on this catwalk when they're having their final showdown, but just like it can fly and pick him up, but can't throw him off. Is there like invisible walls? Again, all it has to do is move two feet to the right and drop him. You know, (laughs) there's no reason he survived. There is no reason other than the ghost has lives in a constant state of fluctuating intelligence. I love it. Yeah, if anybody pointed it out to her, she'd be like, "Oh, oh, I didn't think of that." Oh, okay. And I, and I love like, <laughs> like is anyone really burn someone from the inside out? Right. Her, her plot of revenge was, "I'm going to kidnap three random kids of people who had nothing to do with my." <laughs> it's absurd. 
literally perpetuating what happened to her. Not getting revenge, just doing exactly what they did to you to people who didn't do it to you. I want to see the movie where (laughs) Kate becomes a witch and starts a whole cycle of witches. Ooh. So, that's a question. Can we call it Nix's? Nah, I got nothing. Uh, So, question. Cage witches. Does anybody? Oh, that's bad. Does anybody um, <laughs> know how he beats the witch at the end? Because it's still not I was really very clear unclear. To me. All the kids, but the kids like, all they hold save each his other. Oh, I guess all the ones Just who have of- to stay because it's been more than three hundred and sixty-five days. Movie. <laughs> what about leap year? One day, three hundred sixty-six. You're screwed. Too bad. Unless it's a leap year, in which case, three hundred sixty-seven. Yeah, how totally many fun. days until There's, you can't leave? Like, they forgot to write an ending. <laughs> they forgot <laughs> to write much. a resolution to this movie. They forgot to write a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, David. Uh, At the same time, though, lest us not forget, they cared enough to put a sequel hint at the end of this oh, movie. Oh, a sequel to yeah. yeah. There is a, this is not just like a first draft. This is like an outline of a movie. <laughs> it's literally all the ex- it is the exact amount of time you need to hit all five parts of a film and hit your all your it like it is literally the structure of a movie with <laughs> words. I imagine that like, on the box quote. It is literally the structure <laughs> of a movie with words. <laughs> like it um, just doesn't. And like I know it's so easy to bash a bad movie. Like you're, yeah, people will look at that on the box and say, "What does this mean?" And that is the exact experience of watching this movie. There's nothing else to it. It's it is so one dimensional. And like what's interesting is that you're saying you're hinting at this earlier. How it's like it's easy to rag on us stuff, but like, that's the thing. Like, it really is hard to emphasize. There's, I love a good, bad movie. Like I, like y'all were saying earlier, bad, good movies. Like it's super, super fun, but this movie is just, you literally watch it. And all you can say is like, well, it was definitely a movie. Like it, oh, it God. occurred. There was a point A to point B. <laughs> but the writing yeah. is so bad. I know. The dialogue is so bad. No, wait, wait. I just, I have to get this out because it's going to make me crazy. If I don't spit this out, the, Nicholas Cage, he's a professor. He's a college professor. And he's looking at this document with like MCDM, whatever on. And he goes, what are those Latin numerals? <laughs> no, Roman, Roman, Roman Latin numerals. numerals. <laughs> Latin numerals. I really no. wish he said Latin. He did say Latin. No, he did. I thought he you said, just what are up. those no, wait, Latin wait. numerals? It didn't even occur to me. <laughs> probably noticed that and was like oh uh, guys we know this is wrong right it's like that's tinder you know that right and (laughs) somehow he can't catch a cab in a city that is packed to the rafters with them and then he has to walk home and he (sighs) lives in a giant two-story multi-million dollar brownstone and his wife just like is a designer question mark and he's a professor maybe she's an heiress one of them we one never them. know her character is clearly not important to tug on your heartstrings because he can't at the risk it's, of us you know like coming off as just elitist bagging on this movie you guys oh, and by you guys i mean the audience you guys made us watch for you did this to us things like the boy in the plastic bubble dunstan checks in and the emoji movie and we didn't bag argue- on them as hard as we bagged on this I would I would argue because 
those movies prompted interesting discussions. This uh, the problem with bad horror movies is like what you know what there's no themes there's no message there's no ideology there's no depth there's nothing to talk about we got more substance out of clown now clown was another (laughs) netflix roulette uh horror movie we gotta stop doing this to ourselves (laughs) but clown was so absurd clown was trying something yeah yes was an idea Clown had some interesting ideas in there. Is, is it, this has no ideas in it. That there's a movie, failed execution, and then there's like, did you ex, did you try to execute something? Like, did, were you present? Did you do yes, you have they did the try to internet? execute something. It was Nick Cage's career again. I, I would argue. Do you was, have Google? Ooh, Can you look things up? I would argue there was no director for half of the shots in this movie. It's just like, I get, yeah. we're we're paid to be here. I guess we'll just film something, and then they just they did one green. Green light on it. Call it a day. They did one takes on everything and then just put it all, right. all together. What, what else has Uli directed? He did some episodes of Oz. Um, I, I saw a number of like major oh, TV right, shows right, right. that he did episodes. Oh, you said of. Body of Evidence. That's right, Brett. Yeah, he did yes. Body of Evidence. That was not no not great. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, really, as we begin to wrap down this discussion, is there? Is there any way in, in any world anyone can rec- in this world or the one across the catwalk that we can recommend this movie to anybody? Not even fun to watch. It's a bad movie. I can't recommend it at all. Are you? I think you could have fun with friends tearing this thing apart. Put it on at a party, at a Halloween type party, and let it just play in the background, and people will get a kick out of how terrible it is. But don't watch it. Like, don't. <laughs> Yeah, don't subject I, yourself to this movie. Yeah, I would say yeah. it's, it's inoffensive enough to put on in the background because it is at times, I mean, if it didn't take place on Halloween, you could call this movie a thriller. Um, yeah. And it wouldn't, it's not, I'm not saying it's thrilling. I'm just saying like there's not enough <laughs> of a horror element to it to really justify calling That's it horror. Good. It's just it's the like fact that it takes place in October. Yeah. Supernatural thriller in quotes. It's just, I'm it really is notes. like it really does almost feel like it's predicated on you having seen Insidious. It really does. <laughs> like it feels like no. It feels like uh, look. You watched Nick Cage do anything, right? Let's <laughs> test, test the limits of that. Let's test the limits of that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm checking over my notes. They've got uh, the Chinese mother speaks the worst fake stilted English I've ever heard. With her that accent was so bad. Yeah, her, her she's got barely any Chinese accent, and yet her grammar is weirdly intermittently bad. Like I, I was closing store on. I closed store. I, yeah, she's like leaving out random words, and that's the extent of. I was like, this is racist towards Asians, and she's Asian. Like this is like <laughs> a bad accent that like Elbit and Cost- Abbott and Costello would do like back in the day, pretending to be. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, the woman, the the woman who gives all the exposition near the end, her robe is trimmed with a ribbon I have in my fabric stash. Um, <laughs> the mom gets left out of the end confrontation because women are useful only for information, not action. In this movie, she doesn't even provide information. She's like, li- like literally, just there to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> as Pretty as much. Like, as soon as she's like, maybe you didn't do it. Want a bone? 
Yeah, you're right, though. All the women in it are there to just like feed information. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, two two things in this movie made me laugh. Um, when she's only all of this information come from women. Sorry to interrupt. It just occurred to me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Has is all this info come only from women? Yes. Yes. Ah, it just occurred to me. I know that that's all they do. He gets no information from the police detective. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's a just feminist okay. movie. Anyway, back to your point. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm it's sorry a feminist about that. movie. Nice. <laughs> sorry to cut you um, off. There. Let's. No, it's okay. Uh, the uh, the wife suggests bringing in a medium, and he says those people are frauds. Okay, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> they're trying he's to say seeing his ghost son and he's <laughs> suggesting that psychic mediums are total fraud and i love how they're able to get one the there. next day like the, they, they went on task rabbit smash cut, but <laughs> yeah all wrong they have this long build-up where she like gets out yeah. of the cab and like wow the joke would be those people are frauds smash cut they're in the middle of their meeting already and she's talking right. about the feeling in this room that's how you set up that gag. Not like those people are frauds. Now here's five minutes introducing her getting out of a cab and showing off also, those. Also, there's a long pause after he says it. There's a very like right. on his face. I remember being arrested because he said it and I went, here it comes. Where's the cut? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah. I do love, though, okay. that they're able to literally no, wait, get her wait. the next day. Yeah. The other thing that made me laugh was when they're, they he's... They're with his his researcher friend, and she says the phrase "Celtic reconstructionalists." <laughs> it's just like, wait, what the hell does that mean? Use real things. Don't make up stupid shit because you're lazy to do Google searches. Like, don't make up words. Yeah, reconstructionalist is not a word. <laughs> this sounds academic and liberal. It's liberal arts and. American um, studies ish. I'm a proofreader. I promise you, it's not a real word. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Nick Cage agreed to it, and we all know that we have to accept what he says. So. Oh man, that's right. The money. That's right. Uh, what is the budget on this movie? I'm gonna. Ooh, I meant to look that up. That's a really good question. I can't oh. find. This has got to be a drug. This has got to is- be a money. I I guarantee you two thirds of the budget went to Nicolas Cage. I was just about to say the budget is mostly just what can you get Nick Cage to work for. Uh, just like how the budget for Lucky Them back when we watched that was what can you get Johnny Depp to show up in one scene for? Uh, for a day. <laughs> Johnny Depp for a day. How much does that cost? We may never know. There is, okay. As there three is no, different people look up what the budget of this movie is. No info on the budget. Uh, gonna, <laughs> so. Not even on Box Office Mojo? I found the Box Office stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, Box Office. You oh, sure. Find- because it was never released in America. Right. Wait, it's I'm international gonna, box office. I'm there. gonna, I'm gonna guess. Two, no, um, all right, super optimistic. I'm gonna guess eight million. Uh, I no, <laughs> <laughs> nah, not I've really. got two point one million as its worldwide box office. Damn, I was gonna say two first. It made it made um more than half of that in Mexico. Mexico was the place where it grows the most. Over wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's his new fan base. <laughs> so like the majority of his fan base. None of huh. us can none of us can recommend this movie, so I am going to take us no. take us off life support and just let us go 
peacefully into the dark at night and not have to watch this again. Uh, let's go around the table. Where can we find everybody online? Let's start with our wonderful guest, Greg. Thank you for joining us. Uh, plug all of your stuff course. right now. No, wonderful to be here. It's, uh, thanks again for having me on, man. This is so much fun. So good to see all y'all again and hopefully come back again. Uh, Absolutely. So you can find the two shows I produce. Jacks of Trades is the comic book show that is at Jacks Trades Pod on all social media, jacksoftradespodcast.com. And you can also listen to Rumor Flies, rumorfliespodcast.com, at rumorflies on all social media. If you look up Rumor Flies or Jacks of Trades, it's probably us We're on all the major podcast platforms. Very good. And David Luzader, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me right under, under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me there. Yep. And Nicole <laughs> Davis, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. I recently added a bunch more reviews, so there's at least uh, 10 on there now. Right and um, I run our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. And I tweet under at your word whiz, and that's Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. Right on. Very good. Uh, I'm going to promote this week uh, the website that this uh, podcast is host- hosted on, tiltingwindmillstudios.com, because there's some cool new stuff coming out on that. Um, we've had a great column for a long period of time written called A Gaming Life Part 2. Um, it had a piece this week um, written by Dominic Jacoki, previous guest on the show, where he talks about like using bad video games as a coping mechanism for troubles in life and depression and stuff like that. And I thought it was a really relatable, great read um, because like, I love bad movies. Not this was, this didn't even fall in that category, but uh, if you are a consumer of things like that, you might totally relate to it. And I think it's a great column worth reading. And I'm also going to throw out that uh, we're going to have more columns on the website starting in October, which is when this show is going to come out. So go on over to TiltingWindmillStudios.com to find all of that good stuff. Uh, also, rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That's where you can do it in order to get more people into this wonderful boat. Uh, so more people can come in on You Did This To Us Weeks and torture us. And finally, find us on Twitter at MovieGoRoundPod. That'll do it for myself, David, and Nicole, and Greg. If you'd like to email us, moviegoround at tiltingwindmillstudios.com. We'll see you next week with Cabin in the Woods.